0: Welcome to the ReChurch Podcast. This is Tyler Armstrong, the student pastor at Twelfth Street Baptist Church in Rimbus, Alabama, with our lead pastor, Thomas Winborn. We are asking the question, how can we become the church that Jesus intended? What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Hope that everybody is doing well. Um, I am inside the Thomas Winborn's office with the none other. Thomas Winborn, what's up, man? How you doing?
1: (laughs) I'm the none other now. None other then. Yeah, I'm good, man. How are you?
0: I kind of worded that weird, didn't
1: I? It was a little bit weird. That's okay, though.
0: Well, man, I've been doing pretty good. Uh, school started met this week, last semester. and so and right How does that now, feel,
1: man? How does yeah. that feel to be in your last semester of your Master of Divinity after, like, how many hours?
0: Uh, 81 hours, but two and a half years, man. Yeah. It's like a three-, four-year degree. I cranked it out in two and a half years. I was years. thinking earlier, I was like, how
1: did you do it in two and a half years? And I'm thinking, oh, well, mine was, like, 15 hours longer. <laughs> yeah. So. And so, and yeah. on top of that,
0: I was, like, taking uh, – I I haven't taken a break since last August. Yeah, straight and through. That's so, how I did yeah. it, too. Yeah, and so yeah. just – Cranking it out. I'm also enjoying a um, cheerwine float from Cookout. So I like never had good. one. Oh my gosh, man! It's really good. And then Cookout, man, they have Bible verses. Psalm 118. 24. I mean, I've had
1: cheer wine, but I just don't see that I would want a cheerwine float.
0: Yeah, man, I don't want to have. I'm to kind of a today. classic
1: cookies and cream guy. You know, like yes. if I'm gonna eat ice cream, I want to have some Oreos in it. <laughs> but I don't necessarily want to add cheer wine to it.
0: Gotcha. See, I love I love cheerwine. Um, I got hooked on it in Ridgecrest, mm-hmm. North Carolina. We went to camp like 2015, and now it's just like, my, it's my go-to, man. So, really enjoy it. Well, we're going to ask a few different questions today. I'm going to ask Thomas this one. Who is one of your f- theological heroes, and why?
1: So, one of my theological heroes is Lady Jane Grey. Great story here. Yeah, so, and she was executed in 1554 uh, at the Tower of London. Uh, so, basically, Lady Jane Grey, she was... This young descendant of, I think it was King George, George the, was it, King George, the seventh. Man, I could totally get getting that off. Yeah, man, it's Um, so she she was the, oh, sorry, George Henry, yeah, was Henry say, was, the seventh. I, I was
0: thinking, I was yeah. like, I think it was Henry. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, great granddaughter of Henry the seventh. Uh, this is right after the English Reformation had been going for a little while, and um, basically uh the guy that was the king edward the 6th wrote his will nominating jane and her male heirs as successors to the crown okay and so she didn't really want to do it from her you know uh, diaries she didn't want to do it but the reason he did that's because he wanted to continue this protestant move which he kind of thought was like his movement you know and um she kind of didn't want to do it but they just p- placed her into the throne yeah and she was queen for 9 days and then Mary Tudor, the first, who became was Catholic, yeah, Catholic, to try to take back over and make the country Catholic, um, led a revolt, and um, basically it went to this big council, the Privy Council of England, and um, they basically declared Mary queen, and she was later you know, called Bloody Mary, I mean, because all the murdering that went on yeah. there that she was responsible for, but uh, they actually took Lady Jane Grey and put her in the Tower of London and held her there for like a year. She's like 16, going on 17 now, okay? So she was in there, and she would not recant of her faith. You know, if you recant, I want I'll let you out. We'll be fine. And um, she wouldn't do it. She wouldn't give up her faith. And so eventually Mary was just going to leave her there, but then uh, it became where there was too much of a following for Lady Jane Grey, and so it was a threat to the throne, so she had her beheaded. Yes. And so when I was in, I didn't even know this story. I was in London, I was working with the uh, Oxford study program with the Southwestern Seminary and uh, I was just walking through uh, the museum down there near Trafalgar Square, the Portrait Museum and as I'm walking through, I'm not really an art guy, so I was just kind of looking at stuff, walking through and I turned the corner into this room and there was this giant painting, I mean it probably had to be like 15 feet tall, like 8 feet wide and it was a depiction of the beheading of Lady Jane Grey right before she's beheaded and so I bought a print of that and it's on my wall here and it just reminds me Reminds me of what a 16-year-old girl who was thrust into power, who didn't want it for the sake of the the Protestant movement in England, the, the English Reformation, and she was asked to recant of her faith. She yep. would not recant of her faith. Look
0: up this painting, yo. I mean, it's very powerful. I mean, there's like yeah. a Catholic priest leaning over her ear, practically pleading with her, like yep. recant.
1: You've got her like maidens in waiting that are yes. there. Her husband was all. She was married. She, her husband was also killed at that time, but not yep. with her. And, uh, the executioners there, it was really powerful. man. it really struck me in the pic, the actual painting. It looked like you could reach out and touch her dress. I mean, it was just amazing painting. That's incredible. And so I got a print of it and it kind of reminds me of the kind of faith that we should all have. Yeah. So I dig it. Yeah. What about you, man?
0: Um, mine is not that elaborate and not that, um, historical Ray Orland. Y'all have heard me talk about him. Um, Thomas was joking around with me earlier about He's Ray Orland. He's got a man
1: crush on Ray Orland.
0: I want to be like him when I grow up, man. I mean, like seriously, um, the guy, he just speaks with so much grace when he preaches. You can tell, like he's literally just thinking about every word that he says. Yeah. yeah. And uh, man, just just lives just a, a Christ-like life. And then, I mean, he planted a church when he was like right, in, in, I think at the beginning of his seventies. I mean, planted a church in Nashville um, right after he had just got really burnt by a church and did not want to get back into the church planting scene. Planted this church, and they had one of the neatest like, transitions of uh, pastoral leadership um, where he actually chose his successor along with the elders. And then they transitioned this new guy in. And now he's like the pastor emeritus or like, you know, he's still on staff at this church, but he's now doing his own ministry called Renewal Ministries with him and his wife and just a really godly man. And so. Yeah, it's
1: a good guy to have as a theological hero. Yeah, I
0: love Ray Orland. But he's not Baptist. And so.
1: Yeah, um, well, watch out, man. Yeah, man. Got to see what's going on. Other people are Christians.
0: Yeah, dude. Crazy, right? Yeah, it's nuts.
1: Hey, so who are you worshiping with?
0: Man, I've been on this uh, Josh Garrell's kick. I don't know if you've ever heard of Josh Garrell's. I really like him. Um, He kind of has this kind of a. I really don't even know how to describe him. Just look up the song "Farther Along." You know what I'm talking about. Really, uh, really neat sound. Um, and then he has another song called "Closer to Closer Than a Brother." Really, just I mean, just really cry centered music. Sure. And so, what about you?
1: So, I mean, I'm back on one that I s- hit back often, but I was just listening yesterday to a few. I'll name this one: "Citizens and Saints." Mm-hmm. There is a fountain. I just love that song, and it's sung with the same verbiage, like as the original yeah, writing of just, it. It's just a different. It's just tune. a different. Well, even the tune, even is kind of similar. Just to, it's just rock. Yeah. you know what I mean. Instead of like your old school style, and so I really like it a lot. But also, I would throw in there that. Um, uh, Sticks and Stones. Oh, by King's Kaleidoscope. By King's <laughs> Kaleidoscope. Yeah. I mean, I, we were jamming in the car to that. Like people probably thought we were thumping when we pulled up in the parking lot of the pool yesterday. Yeah, so, um, yeah.
0: I love I, I love King's K, dude. Yeah, their new wow. album is incredible.
1: Yeah, it's just, every one is so different, mm-hmm. which is really cool. But yeah. it takes me a while to come around to like the new sound.
0: I was at a. Um Keane's Kaleidoscope concert up in uh, Huntsville, and they did like a Christmas show. Yeah. Um, their drummer literally started throwing up during the set; like it was crazy. Which drummer? Uh, I don't know. I the mean, main set drummer. Yeah. They yeah. have a drummer and a percussionist yeah, who also plays. Yeah. The well, set. So, so they only had one drummer on this. Is okay. that they're doing like a Christmas tour and singing all their Christmas uh, yeah, songs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he start he started throwing up, and like he said, "Hey y'all, I'm having a migraine." And so he actually went to the ER because of how bad this migraine was. The band stayed behind and they played without a drummer and did an entire acoustic set unplanned wow oh my gosh it was so powerful and then the drummer actually came back by the end of the show <laughs> and they finished the christmas set so i got like two sets and one i mean it was just incredible yeah it's pretty and good so um
1: well you wrote this question yes, down this then is a, this so is a fun one what's your funniest ministry memory because mine's not really funny except now it's funny yes so but go ahead and tell us what so your mine funniest, i'm gonna do this really finished.
0: quick so that we don't you know eat into the time of the podcast but um, I had a student who got saved, uh, came to know Jesus. He uh, weighed about 350 pounds. He's a college offensive lineman. Went and played uh, college football at Georgia Southern. <laughs> that's a Southern. huge guy, man. Dude, a huge guy. <laughs> and he was also about 6'2". I'm about 5'9". You know, that's, that's like People me. People have
1: described Tyler as being in the body shape of a Shetland pony. <laughs> yes. Right? I have
0: short legs there. My brother calls me a basset hound all the time. <laughs> and so um, I'm baptizing this kid. Well, he had never been underwater. Oh. And he didn't tell me that until we were walking down the stairs into the Baptistry. He fought it. And so when I went down to dunk him, he grabbed the glass
1: oh, in no. this traditional
0: church, Baptist Church, <laughs> Baptistry at First Baptist Church of Italia, and he won't go under. <laughs> And, and dude, now you're trying, you're like, now and so, and so you're, I'm now you're trying, attempting murder. So I'm like, I don't know what to do here. Well, his hand slipped off the glass and I dropped him. Oh no. And so, dude, he actually grabbed me by the collar and pulled me under with him. And so I like, like, just like he man, like, like, you know, like got him up. Dude, my head went underwater. And and this is back when I had like the Justin Bieber haircut. And so like my hair is like in my eyes. He And, and, this, and this is what he said on the mic. Bro, you trying to drown me? (laughs)
1: <laughs> There's so many things yeah. you said that were real funny. My Dude. favorite one just now was the Justin Bieber haircut. Uh, like You you totally classified your former haircut the way that everybody else sees it when they look at you Dude, in a it picture. It was,
0: man. It was yeah. so <laughs> Justin Bieber, and I thought I lo- I thought I was a stuff, and I'm going to look back at that and go, gosh, why did I have my hair like that? So, yeah, man, Teron Marshall was the guy I baptized. I love Teron. I miss oh. you, buddy. So <laughs> if, you, if you hear this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to text you about this. If, I need you to look it up and just laugh with me. That's awesome. What man. about you, brother?
1: So mine wasn't funny in the moment, man. I was doing this uh, funeral, actually and when i do a funeral generally i don't always get to do this but I, I like to go sit with the family and just ask a bunch of questions especially if i'm not as familiar with the person that i'm doing the funeral for um and so when somebody dies i want to go sit with the family and just be just be present mm-hmm. and just ask questions about like who they were what are some stories that you have for family members like you know good memories and, and you know it kind of it's, it's a weird thing about when somebody dies. Um, you know, the the family will go back, especially if they're Christians, they'll go back and forth with like laughter and joking about like these funny stories. Then they go like right into this moment of like really solemn, like sadness and crying Mm -hmm. and then back into this laughter, just how we deal with grief. But so I was, there was this funeral for a guy. It was really hard. It was broken families. Uh, This guy and this girl already had marriages prior and um, they brought kids into the marriage that were prior and, so when I when this I does not sound funny, at no, all. it's <laughs> not funny at all, but it gets a little bit, you know, funnier in the end. <laughs> so I, I'm like I go in and I, all I have is like the wife to talk to this guy had died and um, I talked to the wife and the wife tells me some stories about her kids. And I said, "Well, give me some things about the about his other children. And so she tells me these like very detailed stories about him with these other kids and I'm thinking this is great you know well I get a chance to talk to them no probably not it's very estranged they didn't like her and this kind of stuff so I go to do this wedding I mean this funeral so I get the funeral and um, when I walk in it's like packed I mean it is the most packed funeral as far as the number of people to fit into a small space that I've ever seen and been a part of as far as like my leading in a funeral. Yeah. And So I walk in there and I begin to do my thing, right? Well, the whole room I notice is divided with like the wife's side and like the other kids side. Yeah. And like everybody's backed up on these sides. It feels like if, if it feels like a the, the 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 music video to Bad by Michael Jackson where they're lined up and they're about to fight. Yeah, okay. I'm not
0: familiar. I'll look it up
1: later. You should go look it up later. Yeah, yeah. and they're about to fight, and um, and uh, not bad, but like we where they are It's yeah, anyway. So they're lined up like gangster, like lined up across yeah. the aisles, kind of thing. Well, I start telling these stories to make it personal and try to relate. Okay, and when I start telling the stories about his other kids, literally one of the kids like looks at me and goes, "That's not true," <laughs> and the whole room just like stared, you know, and I'm like. What do I do You know And so then I'm like I'm like I'm I'm really sorry So then I tell the other story And I'm like In the middle of telling it In my head I'm like Maybe I shouldn't tell this story And then she's like That's not true either That's a lie And I'm like Now I'm this guy That's making up these stories You know About them With their dad and so the whole room is, like, feeling the tension here. And I just look over at the mom or the wife, and I'm, like, thinking in my head, like, what did you do to me? You know? Yeah. And so, like, my wife is there. We have these, like, I don't remember if it's was just Hannah or what. But she's out in the hallway, like, pushing the stroller because there's no place to have a stroller in there. Yeah. And she's, like, walking the halls. And it's all over the loudspeaker, all over the whole funeral place. You oh can no. hear this funeral. And so later on, she's telling me, like, she heard it, and she stopped in her tracks. <laughs> She started sweating, you know? <laughs> and then started praying really hard. And so I just killed the stories and went into the gospel and looked at the scriptures and it was fine. But later on the lady like came and apologized. She knew it wasn't me that like just made up these stories. It wasn't funny, but it was like I thought there was going to be a breakout fight in this funeral and that I was going to be in the middle of it. You know what I mean? And so funny, I don't know. But let me give you one more funny, okay? So this is a separate funny. It's not my story, but I'm going to tell it. and I'm taking (laughs) up time here. This is really funny. It's
0: all good, dude. Okay.
1: So one of my friends uh, is really great at pastoral visitation. Yeah. And uh, he goes into, and I've told this story before, and I think I might have said it in a way that you thought that it was me, and I realized that later, but it wasn't me. So he goes to the hospital to visit somebody. Yes. And he goes in, knocks on the door, you know, walks in. Yeah, come on in. It's this older lady, and she's like sitting in a chair, and he like sits down. She's like, take a seat. And I sit down, and talks with her. And she's just sitting in this chair talking to him for like maybe an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. Okay, and then at, at the end of this time, he's like about to say, "I'm going to leave." It's been good to see you. He stayed longer than he wanted to, you know. But she just kept talking and yeah. talking and talking, and and so um, she was like, "Hey, you know, I, I'm really sorry. I need to ask you to step out, though." And he was like, "Yeah, sure. You okay? I need to do something to help you out?" And she's like, "No, I've just been sitting on this porta potty the whole time you've been in here. I need to get off of it." <laughs> so the whole time he'd been talking to her, she was sitting on the porta potty next to the bed. And he didn't realize it because the gown was over it, but she had been doing her business. The whole time that he was sitting there in the room talking to her. That's funny, dude. dude that's incredible. Yeah.
0: yeah do you yeah. remember the time that I went to visit one of our uh, one of our widows t- and her house almost got on fire? Do you remember? Yeah. That one? Yeah. That you put one. the fire out. You yeah. saved her <laughs> yeah, life. I put the fire out, man, <laughs> with the kitchen. Well, first, sink. you
1: distracted her by coming and <laughs> yeah, like praying with her. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wasn't yeah, expecting
0: yeah. me. And man, uh, we were. She was cooking hamburgers. And uh, I looked in the like kind of stained, uh, she had like a stainless steel refrigerator. And I saw orange, and I was like, Oh my "That's yeah. not good." And I smell something. I said, "Ma'am," yeah. I said, "Are you burning something?" <laughs> she goes, "Oh no, the hamburgers are in there." She goes, "Oh no," and there's like flames touching the ceiling. And I said, "Ma'am, is there any kind of grease in there, anything like that?" Well, yes, yeah, like, hamburgers. Yes, yeah, hamburgers. And she's like, "Well, I'm not cooking with any." I was like, "I, I was like, man." this is a one-time shot. Dude, I just turned on the kitchen sink and yeah. <laughs> I just held it on it. Really bad idea in hindsight. Like, you know, you don't ever put water in the grill. I dude, yeah. that house. I mean, we and her could have both been toast, but it, it worked. And so yeah, I, I guess I guess the hamburger. So that, that's a good story right there. <laughs> if it's
1: enough water. Yes. And so uh,
0: last question really quick. What's one sermon that has impacted you that you'd recommend for our listeners to listen to?
1: So I'm not really good at this because I, I listen to a lot of sermons and I, I like parts of things, but I will say one that greatly impacted me and, and I, I man, I, did I have to give my like parenthetical statement about MacArthur's sermon. No, man, know. it's fine. No. So, I it's by John MacArthur, and I think it really impacted me. It's called A Theology of Sleep. A Theology of Sleep, and um, I've kind of done this passage before, and it greatly influenced my yeah. impacting on teaching. That's really good. What about you?
0: Uh, for me, um, it's uh, Paul, the 14 year intern by uh, J- by J.D. Greer, he did this at Southeastern uh, mm-hmm. chapel just a really cool sermon about how like when we read the scriptures we read it like it's so fast paced. Yeah. But there's like a, f- like there's a point in this passage of Acts 9, 19 through 31 that's 14 years.
1: Yeah.
0: And he calls it the white space. Like, like what's going on in this white space? 14 years. Yeah. And so like, I mean it's just really interesting to think about like man like I'm, I'm, I'm the type of person that I want it now. Like I want it now. Yeah. But man like if the Apostle Paul had to wait 14 years for like you know his calling to become clear and to go on mission with Barnabas and all those things, yeah, I can wait. You know, yeah, I, can, I, I can be patient. In the Lord, so. yeah, we can do it. All right, so y'all, today's topic we're going to be talking about cool Christianity. Now this has come a, this comes from an article by Brett McCracken. Um, he wrote a book about ten years ago this is this article in reflection of called hipster Christianity
1: yeah and this article by the way was at the gospel coalition website and so yes. if you don't read the gospel coalition website regularly you should
0: yeah I mean it's it's, it's a great gospel centric resource yeah um, they actually one of my favorite things they just recently did was they tackled the Democratic National um, Convention platform and the Republican National Committee platform yeah um, and they're comparing it to the gospel. Oh, that's good. And I and, and so they're taking both and saying, okay, like this is where they don't line up here. This is where they don't. This is where we and, line up. And just up so, and so you know,
1: where the some of the major contributors to this are DA Carson, Don Carson, mm-hmm. um, arguably one of the best like biblical theologians, New Testament that yes. we have. His his gospel, uh, his commentary on the Gospel according to John is mm-hmm. one of the best. Uh, the commentary um,
0: on the. Biblical use of the uh, the New Testament's use of the Old Testament. Yes, so, yes, with yeah. him and G.K. Beal, uh, I think it is. That's yeah. a
1: good one. It's really good. So he, he, he's like one of the head guys there. Tim but Keller. really good. Tim Keller's on there. I mean, uh, Brett McCracken's good. I mean, David a lot of Platt, these guys. David Platt. Colin yeah.
0: Hanson, who's a pastor. Oh, yeah, yep. Really solid guy. So this article is in reflection of hipster Christianity. Now, cool Christianity. The thing is, though, is that there's still remnants of this movement. Like like we see it even now. Like, you know, that this idea that Christianity has to be cool – put quotes around the word cool in order to reach people we have to be relevant there's this pursuit for relevance and so we're going to talk about this article just kind of kind of our Mm -hmm. breakdown of it um and so let's talk about the quest for relevance really quick so back kind of you know i remember when i kind of hopped in on the tail end of the kind of cool christian movement uh, Don Miller, Mark Driscoll, um, trying to think of who else, Rob Bell, Rob Bell you, you yeah. remember the NUMA videos? Oh yeah. Uh,
1: some of them are really good.
0: Yeah. Some of them are really solid. Um, yeah. I remember his, uh, sermon on Leviticus. Um, he brought an actual goat out on stage yeah. and like, talked about like sacrificing a goat and all this stuff. He didn't sacrifice the goat on stage. So right. that kind of weird. But I mean, but now like a lot of these guys, like, I mean, the, the article points out Don Miller is not even in ministry anymore. He's yeah. a marketing consultant for StoryBrand, which yeah. I mean, it's, it's a really good marketing. Um, Rob Bell is, like, some kind of, like, new-age hippie priest that serves with Oprah. And yeah, so, um, yeah. and Mark Driscoll, man, like...
1: He's off the rails. Yeah, he's off the I rails. I mean, and I say that because I, I was greatly influenced by him yeah. back in the day, but, yeah, he just um, had some major character flaws he didn't deal with, it have accountability, and it just blew up, and now he's, like, in a weird land. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like
0: Charismania, like, charismatic stuff. And yeah. It, it just, just kind of just hops around, and so this is my thing, like... In my opinion, the gospel needs to be relevant, but we don't need to be to the point where we lose the gospel in our pursuit of relevance. I would
1: restate that even. I would say the gospel is always relevant. Yes, that's good. But our ministries need to be relevant. So uh, that's still the idea that I got from Driscoll, you know, close handed to the gospel. Hold that tightly. It doesn't change. You don't let go. You hold to that um, open handed with methodology. Yeah. The message is the same. The methodology changes yes. based off your culture. Mm-hmm. You know? And
0: so and the problem is is that in a lot of these people's pursuit, which, by the way, I really appreciate the way you worded that. That's what I meant. Um, and yeah. so I really appru- – the thing is is that as they pursued relevance, and as so many churches pursue relevance, they made the gospel – completely, like, molded to the culture, right? You don't hear a lot of talk about wrath. You don't hear a lot of talk about uh, the need for Jesus because of your sin. You hear about, like, the need for Jesus because, well, you have depression and he can solve your issues and, like, all these things. It's more like Jesus is an add-on and not Jesus as the answer. And so I think that, especially reflecting back on, like, you know, the past, you know, 10, 15 or so years since we saw this kind of movement of, like, you know, the, the pastor who, you know, would occasionally say the cuss word in a sermon, and everybody was like, oh, man, whoa, that, we've never yeah, seen yeah, this, yeah. and yeah. Um, and then, like, just this idea of, like, you know.
1: Well, they'd never read Luther then.
0: No, they, yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying, like, for real, <laughs> yeah. and so, um, I mean, it was just so mind blowing to the Bible Belt people, right? right, like, you know, I mean, but the problem is, is that once again, you can go so far being cool. But you don't go so far, like actually pursuing biblical holiness. Yeah, but the
1: the danger, and it's described yes. by McCracken's article, is the danger is that you end up losing pieces of the gospel in order to maintain your relevance. And while you go into the culture and try to relate to them, yeah. um, you actually become more like the culture than the culture becomes like Christian and Christian yes. or Jesus.
0: And and that's what that's the next point is that you know reaching the culture, are we changing the culture or is the culture changing us?
1: Yeah, and I would even say like, how do we clarify this? Because you know, so people might hear what we're saying and say, yeah, this relevant stuff is bull. We don't need to do any of Absolutely it. Absolutely not. But that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, they're, you can go too far, right? Yes. So I think a great example, I mentioned him, is Martin Luther. Mm-hmm. I mean, Martin Luther thought, hey, the people don't have access to the Bible except in Latin. and so They'd be educated. So let's put it in their vernacular, put yep. it in, in, in German. So he worked to do that. At the same time, he said, we're going to take good theological truths and set it to tunes to have music that relates to that. Mm -hmm. But what tunes do we choose? Well, he said, well, everybody knows the tunes to these bar songs, Mm -hmm. which would be our version of like radio, right? Um, They know these tunes. So he set bar tunes that everybody knew and put new theological truth songs together yeah yeah. and so you think of that going well how in the world is that a bar tune well that was that was the same tune of a song that was sang in a bar where everybody hung out together and they would sing songs about their country or about their home or about their families and there's things they knew and so that that's like taking a modern song I mean, weird to say, let's say taking a Bon Jovi song, right, yeah. and putting lyrics to it that are actually theological. Which, sound when we lyrics. see that
0: nowadays, like, I mean, like, the Christian art has came so far that when we yeah. see people do that nowadays, we're like, come on, bro, you're being cheesy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> but, I mean, that but,
1: was, like, the way to do it back then. Oh, so I that mean, was relativism, well, as I mean, best back then with Martin Luther.
0: This is my favorite thing about especially Christian history. When you look at Christian history, the church always looked like a part of the culture. But they did not act a part of the right. culture. It was a counterculture. So, like, when you, like, I mean, one of my favorite stories of all time is the, God, is, uh, the Apostle Thomas. They were selling, you know, missionaries and all that stuff, and they got to India. And they were talking about, they, they were witnessing to these people, like, oh, there's some of those inland, like, about, you know, X, X amount of miles. And they're like, there's Christians here? Like, they didn't know there were Christians there. And they got there and found out that Thomas, like, Christian history tells us this. I mean, it's a legend, too, a little bit. Christian history tells us that Thomas went all the way to India the furthest the furthest apostle to go and started churches in India. Yeah. And like they got there and these churches look very Indian, like Indian tapestries, like, you know, all these yeah. things. But it it was Christianity. It was Orthodox. Yeah. Yeah. And so like that's the thing. Like the church can look like the culture. You know, like I mean, I don't have a problem with like, you know, tattoos or anything like that. I mean, I have one. I don't have a problem with wearing skinny jeans at church like some guys would. I don't have a problem with that because And you're
1: mentioning that because that was a part of the hipster culture that tried to yeah. make this cool church. I mean,
0: man, it's still there in a lot yeah. of ways. It's just it's a different kind of it's more of like an urban I don't I really don't know how to describe it, but
1: But it's, it's not even just that. We have it here. You yeah. know, I mean there, there's people I mean, mentioned in the articles the idea of even taking and doing like how to find the gospel in movies. Yes. You know, that's fine. But that's not the preaching of the gospel that you're supposed to do, I don't believe, on Sunday yeah. mornings when you gather as Yeah, kind of the at-the-movie
0: At the series. Yeah, like, where you, you can those, do yeah.
1: that. Do that when you gather in your small group. Do that as a side thing on Sunday night. But this is the thing I love about the gospel. The gospel's always been the same, and people are generally the same, even though technology has changed. Yeah. But we just need to, to talk about the same problem. You're a sinner. You need saving You can't get there. Jesus makes the way. Repent and follow him. Yes. Every day, repent and follow him.
0: And that leads to this one. We are inheritors, not inventors of the Christian faith. Yeah. And so as we inherit the faith, we need to think about ways that we can be relevant in our proclaiming of the gospel. But the gospel message doesn't change. And so whether that's, you know, you wearing blue jeans on stage or me, you know, wearing skinny jeans or let's just even go to the first side. A yeah. suit on stage. Like, whatever it may be, we need to be relevant <laughs> to our culture.
1: Yeah, take, hang, hang on. So, I would have, I, if you have told me that I'd be wearing shorts and sandals on Sunday morning to preach at 12th Street Baptist Church before I came here... I would have laughed in your face and yeah, said that will never happen. Yeah. And what'll be doing on Sunday mornings at eight A.M. at driving church because of this pandemic. Shorts shorts, sandals. sandals. Yeah, because it's so stinking hot <laughs> outside, right?
0: <laughs> we are being we are doing our best to be relevant. That's being It'd relevant. Be
1: yeah. I mean, that's that. We're doing what we need to do. We're not holding to things that don't matter. Yes. You know, like you've got to wear a suit. But we are holding to the gospel. Yeah, man. And we're going to preach the truth, and we're going to encourage people to repent and believe and to be accountable in relationships. And that'll look different depending on the culture in a yeah. lot of ways, but not the message.
0: And, and see, that was the thing, especially with the cool Christianity movement of you know, the 2000s. And even now, I'll say this even now, there's so much focus on being so relevant on being so a part of the culture that I think we lose what Jesus says, that my disciples will not, you know, to not be of this world. Yeah. You know, they're so a part of the, in world. the world. Yeah, not yeah, of yeah, it. yeah, in the world. Thank you. I was trying to think of what it was. Yeah. In the world, not of it. You know, I should have known that. Like, that's like such a christian <laughs> sentence. But I think that so many times we think, okay, how can I be in the world, not of it? But eventually we become of the world. Yeah. And that's what I see a lot of, you know, especially like in, in like younger Christian circles, like, you know, millennials, Gen Z. Man, I see so much of that because I'm around it. Like they like they try to immerse themselves in the culture so much yeah. that you can't even tell the difference between them and another, you know, yeah. a non-believer. And so
1: the funny thing is, when they hit like thirty yeah. and they start having kids, mm-hmm. they they recognize the uh, I think the the ridiculous nature of pursuing symmetry with the culture. Yeah, and they begin to say, I I, I want something that's real and deep and solid and has a foundation and that's more important that is cool now yeah you know and it changes back out and i think that's just part of growing up yeah going through that the problem is is when those guys start churches and think that's the only way you can do it and everybody else is doing it wrong yeah you know because we need all kinds of churches all kinds of styles all kinds of stuff to reach yes. all kinds of people yeah and um i think we need to make sure we don't try to go too cool it's you know if you're a cool guy tyler i think you're a cool guy Thanks, man, right so um But you're not trying to, like, flaunt coolness to get followership. Yeah. And that's that's the problem, Mm -hmm. right? It's trying to make everything about how cool you can be, come listen to me, because that wears off and everything's going to get beat by something else in the competition. Well,
0: and that's one thing that, like, I've noticed, um, especially, like, you know, in student ministry. I used to be so worried about, like, you know, like, where the kids are and all these things, and I still like you know I, I occasionally will get on there and like look up you know the, the latest songs because I need to know these things. Look up the latest language. Like I'll never forget the first time I ever heard a kid say, "Man, that's man that food slaps," and I'm like, "Slaps? What's that mean? Oh, that's good. But if it smacks, it's not good." Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's new. And so you know, like I'm I'm kind of <laughs> losing the race for relevance a lot of ways because a lot of these things yeah. are outrunning me. Yeah. But then I realized, man, you know what? Welcome
1: to getting old.
0: I, I mean, yeah. But I mean, I, I, at one point I just said, man, I'm never going, like, how can I stay relevant? Like, all, none of that stuff matters, man. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Like, like, that's how I'm going to stay relevant, Jesus. And just preach the gospel of Jesus and then realize that, listen, like, that's what Luke and Olivia are great for. Like, you know, they're still immersed in it. And like, you know, I'm like, hey, can you like explain to me
1: like what's going well, on? And a all great example same. of this is John Piper. Yeah. I'll because do. John Piper, like already hitting like 60s, 70s, and he's like. Center stage, primary speaker at like the largest conservative college yeah, ministry conference uh, ever done, and and one of the only solid guys, and he's one too. of the you only solid that? guys, and yeah. he's always got the one of the biggest nights is always his preaching. Yeah, you know because he is preaching a relevant message because it's Jesus. Yes, and so it's relevant. Yeah,
0: you know back the back when the uh, T four G was going on, they did the online conference. They talked about yeah. how why John Piper was reaching young people. And he did this whole huge sarcastic thing. But, you know, John Piper has no sarcasm. Yeah. He's like, what well, do you think? It's because I'm wearing ripped skinny jeans and doing all these, like, you know, cheap series and all this stuff. And Mark Never just kind of said, John... Don't do the sarcasm thing, man. Well, you um, know, John
1: Piper doesn't even have a TV in his house. No,
0: man. The dude, I mean, he just, and he walked He walked to his office every day. He every said he, day. Said, he said, you know, some morning. In
1: Minneapolis, where yeah. it snows a lot. Yeah.
0: And he said that some mornings it took him seven minutes to get there, but some mornings it took him close to 11 minutes because he would stop and talk to people on the way to work and all this, yeah. on the way to the office and all this. And just, man, just a picture of a guy, but his church is so full of young people. And why is that? An authentic biblical gospel. Yeah,
1: man, preach, the word. Preach, preach the, the word. preach the word. Be that's, real. Preach the word. That's what we be do. Be confessional.
0: Mm-hmm. We inherited the faith, and we are not inventors of it. And we will go forward. So, Twelfth Street. This is going to be our charge to you. Let's keep pursuing the biblical gospel. Let's keep. Let's not worry about how we can be. You know, the coolest church. Because in a lot of ways, I don't think we'll ever be that.
1: Well, if you're if you're a cool like if you're a person that's just like a cool person like Tyler yeah, here, thanks, be man, cool, sure. man. I think you're a cool. Dude. If you're if you're a geek or a nerd or just a weirdo like me, just be yourself and just still like preach Jesus, yeah. man. And that's the
0: beauty of the church, right? Because like yeah. we're all together inside this like inside this building. Like my tastes are different than your taste. Yep. Uh, my tastes are different than most people in this church's taste in a lot of, in a lot of ways. But, man, I love this faith family, and we can just gather together in this knowing that the gospel is our pursuit. Jesus is our highest pursuit.
1: And if we do that and we're real with each other, confessional with each other, and we preach Jesus and he's central to everything in our lives and in our faith family, then we will become the church that Jesus intended.
0: I'm going to close it on that. Man, thank you all so much for tuning in to this week's uh, episode of the ReChurch Podcast. Uh, We will see you next week.